Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. A survivor podcast about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. Join me as we heal together, raise awareness, and inspire everyone to survive, thrive, and conquer their past. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. My name is Matt. I am super stoked to have everybody here. I'm glad you guys all joined again. I appreciate your support so much. Uh, If this is your first time, welcome to the show. I'm glad you found me. I hope that you'll find all of my podcasts validating, encouraging, inspiring. And um, I just appreciate you being here. And hopefully you'll come back and check out some of my other podcasts. And if you are a returning listener, I am super stoked to always have you back as well. You guys are amazing. I appreciate your comments, uh, your thoughts, your insight. Everything about you is really inspiring. And uh, it helps to keep me going. So I'm grateful for you as a new listener. Grateful for you if you are a returning visitor. And let's jump right into this show coming up here. I have a super special guest, somebody that I met online through Twitter and through her YouTube videos. Um, She is a survivor. Her name is Becky, and we are going to talk with her today on Surviving My Podcast um, about something that she endured throughout her life, and that is the subject of ritual abuse. So uh, before we get started, I'll just issue a safe trigger warning to be kind to yourself as we do discuss um, things, obviously in this case as ritual abuse, but also childhood sexual abuse and other things that can be triggering. So be kind to yourself and, um, you know, know that you are validated and supported here on the podcast. So with that, let's jump right into it. And again, this is Becky. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me. I know we had some, some scheduling conflicts and whatnot, but I'm super glad that we were able to get Um, to have you here on the show because I think this is such an important topic and something that maybe a lot of people don't understand too much about or those that have been through what you have been through um, perhaps this will validate and encourage them to know that they are not alone and to reach out and seek help so maybe you can tell people a little bit about yourself you can share you know your YouTube channel your Twitter information anything you want to talk about just to pretty much say hello um Well, I do a lot on YouTube. Um, I do a lot of um, awareness about sexual abuse and abuse in general, actually, not just um, sexual abuse. I do a bit of awareness on mental health as well. Um, But I have recently started making videos um, about my experiences um, to sort of encourage other people, I guess, to come forward and... Um, discuss what they're going through or maybe disclose if they're um, still going through it Um, and I want other people that have not been through what I've been through um, to understand what's going on to children every day I want people to know you know that there are children that are in danger and we need to be aware of what's going on Um, but my I've been doing awareness for around probably four or five years now on Twitter. Um, and 
when I was in England, I um, volunteered for NSPCC, which is the charity that helps children that have been abused. Um, I volunteered for them for like two years, and then I came across to the States in 2015. Um, and I hope to do more volunteer work while I'm over here. So basically all I'm doing right now. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely a lot. And, um, you know, I've, I've watched um, your the videos on, on your YouTube channel. I, I think I've seen most all of them. Um, I haven't watched your latest one yet, I don't believe, but your videos are just, I mean, you have over, over 2000 subscribers. People are just resonating with what you're doing. Um, the comments I've seen, so many people are just encouraging you and cheering you on. So the message that you have, which is just so open and, um, vulnerable and real. I mean, that, that's what resonates with people and people are, are resonating with you and they're encouraged by you because, your uh your courage to just stand up and and you know tell people what you've been through tell people how it feels and encourage people to have been through similar circumstances to reach out for help like it's just it's amazing it's something that i try and do on my blog as well is really just let people know that we're we're everyday people all, all throughout the world who have been through something horrific but we're not letting it keep us down and keep us stuck so i i love what you're doing and i know so many other people love love what you're doing too so props to you thank you and thank you for doing what you do you do an amazing job too well thank you i, I appreciate that so let's kind of jump into this topic which is the um ritual abuse which um i'll let you kind of explain as much in detail as you're comfortable with uh, pretty much what you went through, what it's about. And then, um, you know, I'll chime in as we go along as well, because I was, I was a victim of spiritual abuse, not in the, in the same sense that you were, but I mean, I can, I can relate to a lot of what you've been through. So I will let the platform up to you to, uh, speak as you feel comfortable and we'll just kind of take it from there. Well, I'm from England. I'm originally from England. I was born in Britain and I'm actually living in the States now because, I had to escape what was happening to me in England. Um, my biological parents are, um, I call them Anne and Lee just because I don't call them mom and dad. Um, I don't think they deserve that title. But they was abusing me. I was first sexually abused when I was four years old and it's escalated from that point um, to trafficking when I was nine. And the trafficking the thing is that the satanic ritual abuse that I've only just started realizing was satanic. It's sort of, it's slightly different to trafficking on a whole, um, just because of the rituals and the different things involved. Um, but I didn't realize that it was satanic until about six months ago, seven months ago. But I was trafficked for the first time when I was nine years old. And from that point, I, I didn't have, well, I never had a normal childhood. I, I was never like allowed to be a child because my innocence had been taken away from me for, from such a young age. Even when they wasn't sexually abusing me, it was physical. I, I was neglected. Everything that you can think of, they did. Um, that's exactly why I don't call them mom and dad because I just don't think that they deserve but the trafficking happened regularly. Lee, my biological father, he um, was the main person involved in this. He was, I called him the ringleader. He was the one that 
would organize everything and he would be the one that people would call if you know they wanted to as disgusting as it sounds if they wanted a child then that's he would be the one they would call but Anne was very much involved with it too she was um, both of them were in it for the money and obviously the satanic side of it which I'll get to in a little bit but they had a lot of money and they still have a lot of money because there's so many children involved and it wasn't just in my city that this was happening it was happening all over the UK I wasn't taken everywhere in the UK but I was taken to a lot of places like Manchester, Newcastle, um, London, Bradford. Bradford is a bad place for child abuse. Everyone knows Bradford is a bad place but yeah they they were in it for the money and they made it obvious to me that I was just an object. I was just they made me I guess because they wanted to traffic me and I do believe that they would abuse themselves um, and that's why they had that mindset and I've explained in my videos before that people that are abused have two choices they can you know they have two paths that they can take they can either continue down the abuse that they've suffered and abuse other children just as they was abused or they can do what we do and speak out about it, try and help other people that have been through it, try and help victims that are still going through it. But evidently they chose the wrong path and they're still, to this day, trafficking children. Um, which is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons that I talk out about this because I know that there's still children in danger because of my biological parents. But thankfully, I was saved in 2015, um, in February 2015, um, I tweeted out a blog that I had been part of, like an interview through a blog, and that was my first time that I really spoke out. I'd been doing a, a little bit about my story on my old Twitter account, but that was the first time that anyone had wanted to sort of interview me, and I tweeted out my the blog, and Catherine the lady that brought me over here, she she found the blog and she read it and out of all the people that I um, had contacted me, she was the one that I was drawn to and we started talking every day, all day and eventually she brought me to the States. So, you know, I know that was God saving me <laughs> from everything that was going on, which I'm thankful for. But it's hard to it's hard for people to understand trafficking and it's even harder for people to understand when Satanism is involved in it because they don't believe that Satan's real, you know? Mm -hmm. They don't they don't believe that if they're not if they haven't grown up in like a quote unquote religious upbringing or whatever then they don't believe that satan's real so they won't believe in satanism so it's hard for people to understand satanism i guess i'm i'm sitting here listening and i'm just i'm i'm blown away because you're just you're so strong and you're just so willing to speak out you, you had mentioned that that it wasn't all that long ago that you realized the extent of the ritual abuse was there something that was there a trigger or an event or a person or something that happened that brought it all to mind and kind of started to tie it all together like some type of 
revelation, so to speak, or, or was it just a memory that popped in one day? Or maybe talk a little bit about how you kind of came to realize the extent of the abuse as far as, you know, what it really was. Well, I've always been troubled by flashbacks and stuff. Like the flashbacks are like really bad sometimes. Thankfully, they're a lot better than what they were. But while I didn't mention this part earlier, I probably should have. The um, When I came across to America, I was detained for 14 months. Not I'm not a criminal. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was detained by immigration for no reason. I had a passport, I had a visa, I came here legally, but they they were wanting to send me back for no reason. So and I knew that I couldn't go back. I knew that if I went back that I would be killed. So I was like, Okay, I'm gonna ask for asylum and then they um they detained me for fourteen months in a jail facility which is traumatic in itself. Anyway, while I was in detention, that's when I found God. And um, I don't know if you're comfortable with me talking about this or not, but- Absolutely, um, please, yeah, by all means, go ahead. Yeah, I met, I found God in the detention place. Um, while I was in England, Catherine um, would talk to me about God and I was like, no, you know, I would pass it off because I can't remember if this is a memory or if I, it's just, something that I've made up in my head but I do think that Anne and Lee sort of brainwashed me into thinking that God was bad. I do think that they made me think like that. So I think that's why I was so, I pushed Catherine away a lot when it came to God. But then when I was in detention, things were happening that I couldn't explain. Like there was so many miracles that happened that I just couldn't explain. And um, I started reading the Bible. I actually started reading the Bible the same night that I was detained. Um, And that was the first time that I'd ever picked the Bible up. I started reading the Bible and like I could feel sort of a peace that I'd never felt before. So I knew that was God. And then in September, I sort of gave my life to God finally. When I was released, Catherine and I were talking about God and stuff, and I was telling her some of the things that I remembered, and she was the one that actually pointed out that it could be satanic. Like, for example, I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't want to trigger anyone, but there was the new people that was coming in, like the new new children and stuff, um, they would be cut on the side of the stomach with like a nail type it was like that big sort of um and it looked like a nail like like a screw i don't know what you americans call it but yeah it it was like a big nail it was like sort of thick and that's what they would cut us with like the new children and um they would i remember them chanting um evil they call us evil will be and I tried to do research on that because I sort of want to know if they're involved in like a specific cult, if it's just their own sort of cult. Um, But I would be interested to know if anyone else sort of knows anything about that chant. But that's when I started talking to Catherine about that. She she was the one that made me aware that this could be satanic. So she knows a lot more about God than I do. She's been walking with God for a lot longer than I have. So she knows her stuff. 
I wouldn't doubt for a second that there was some um, satanic influences in that. That just is, it's traumatic and it's scary. Um, and but the fact that you are here telling your story just is absolutely, um, it's it's incredible and it's a total testament to you and your faith um, that you're able to be here today and talk so openly and inspire so many people. Did you ever, or do you now? I guess have any type of counseling or support or. You know, is is there someone in addition to Catherine that you speak to to work through all this regularly now? Or are you kind of just figuring this out on your own as you go? Well, I would really like therapy, but it's really hard because of the money side. The immigration costs a lot as it is. So I sort of I'm sort of waiting to do therapy. I know that one day I will need therapy. Um, but right now, Catherine's sort of the only one that she she has supported me a lot and i do i am thankful uh yeah she sounds absolutely <laughs> amazing and absolutely um a gift sent from god for sure for you so she found your blog and she contacted you initially and helped it helped get the process started for you to come to the u.s is that right right so tell me a little bit more about Catherine. i mean as much as you're comfortable with the fact that she was able to rescue you it speaks so highly of her and her character to be able to reach out to you and help you with this whole process she just sounds like an amazing person she is she is and i mean when i think about what she's done for me like we don't often discuss it because i don't want her to get like <laughs> all embarrassed or whatever but because she doesn't ask for thanks or anything she gives all the glory to god which just inspires me and encourages me on my walk with god it really does um while i was in england she was talking to me all day every day literally from the moment that i'd wake up to the minute that i went to bed she would talk to me because she knew that i was unsafe and um there was one point that i actually lived down the same street as one of lee's quote unquote friends that was involved in the trafficking and I would have to go past his house to go to the store or something um, which was traumatic and it was scary and all the rest of it and I told her about that and she she told me if I ever needed to go out then I was to message her and we would talk the full time that I was out and we did and we talk on Facebook and we'd do um, the voice note and we'd send voice notes back and forth to each other while I was walking past his house. Just And she said that she did that one to make him feel like I was talking to someone and, you know, he's less likely to do anything. And if something did happen, then she'd be able to call the police. Um, but every time I walked past his house, he would stand outside of his door and watch me walk. So he... He wanted to intimidate me and Catherine knew that and she made sure that I was safe and she did that for the whole time that she knew me while I was in England. She did everything that she possibly could do to make sure that I was safe and then obviously she brought me to America. She paid for my plane ticket, she paid for my visa, she paid for everything and I mean she didn't even know me, not really. We, we started talking in February and then by April, I was coming over to the States because I couldn't live there anymore. I was in danger and I I was going to turn 19 in May and I knew that that would be significant for them. Birthdays, Christmases, um, New Year and all of the holidays actually are significant in abuse, but like the satanic side and stuff. So 
we both knew that I needed to get out of England before my birthday. Um, and she brought me over here and throughout the whole detention, she she was supporting me. She was she came to all my court dates when I was given my crazy amount of um, bail. It was $40,000 for my bond to be bailed out of jail, which is crazy. She was trying to find a way to pay it. And I mean, she's not rich. She's the retired woman. She, you know, she's not rich, but she wanted to help me. And she's helped me all throughout this process. Wow. That's just absolutely, it's incredible. She sounds like obviously a gift from God in every way possible. So do you feel like you're, you're safe here now that you're in the U.S.? I mean, do your parents and i i use that term loosely and in quotes do they try and contact you or stir up any trouble or is it they've kind of resigned themselves to the fact that you're no longer under their control or or is that still kind of something you have to battle with no i um while i was in detention they and contacted me she wrote me letters she tried to look like this perfect parent you know and she does that on her facebook as well she um post things to make her look like she loves me and that she's this perfect parent and she's never done anything wrong um, and she did the same things in the letters that she sent while I was in detention and I guess that she knew that I was going for asylum and that I would be telling people of what she'd done to me so I she's always tried to convince everyone that I've talked to that I'm a liar that I'm crazy you know that she's like a normal quote-unquote normal mother and she's not but she doesn't want to drop herself in it. So, but since I've been out of detention, they haven't caused any problems. So I'm thankful for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So when you were just talking about, you know, the things that she would do on Facebook and whatnot, trying to make herself look like the perfect parent, I can relate to that because, um, you know, that whole gaslighting situation where she's invalidating you and making herself look great, making herself look like she's a victim and everything. Like, I get what you're saying because I've been through something similar to that with my with my with my mother. So I, I can absolutely relate to where you're coming with or, you know, to where you're coming from there. It's amazing to hear your story. I, I'm encouraged every time I see one of your videos or see a tweet come up because you just um, you really you really just share so openly. So I'll, I'll close with, with with just another question or two, um, if that's OK. So did you ever really find out why they detained you? I mean, what was it just because or was there something that they thought you were doing that you obviously weren't or what? Well, it's a long story, so I'll try and cut it to the shortest I can possibly <laughs> cut it. But um, basically, before I came over here, I was living in a type, an orphanage type home um, run by CPS, and they had my passport. So I sort of had to tell them that I was going. I didn't really want to, but to be able to get my passport, I had to tell them that I was going, coming to America, and. They was totally against it. Like, I've never experienced anything like that with them before. Um, they've always sided with Ann and Lee. They've always, you know, they've never believed me. They've totally failed me and they've failed the children that are still being abused. And I've reported the abuse. This is the question that I get asked a lot. Have you reported it? Yes, I have. I've reported it to the police. I've reported it to CPS. While I've been over here, I've reported it to different people. Um, so it's not like I'm just sitting back and doing nothing. 
but CPS has never done anything. The police have never done anything. They've never fully investigated it. But when I told my social worker, I'm not going to mention names just for legalities, but when um, when I told my social worker, she just flipped out. Like she's always wanted me back with Anne and Lee. All of the time that I was in the CPS care system, I have been trying, they've tried to push me to go back to live with Anne and Lee for the full five years that I wasn't living with Anne and Lee. Um, they made me have contact with them. I would have unsupervised contact. I would have overnight stays. Um, so obviously they abused me in that time. <clears throat> but when I told my social worker that I wanted to come across to America, she just flipped out and she um, she wanted to know everything about it. And I was I sort of hold, held a lot of information back because I didn't want her to know everything just because I didn't want Anne and Lee to know everything. And I knew that she was going to pass on details to them. Um, so I was quite closed in my answers. You know, I didn't share that much information. But we also reached out to a private organization as well to try and house me just before I came over here because I thought that maybe I'd be a little bit safer if I was out of my hometown. And then I moved to somewhere else before I moved here. Um, but it was it's a long story, but basically they i believe that they was the ones that called lax which is the airport that i flew into and told the customs officers about what what i was coming here for i guess i i don't really know what they said but when i was talking to the customs officer he knew a lot more information than what i was telling him like the questions that he was asking i can't remember exactly what he was asking right now but i know that he was asking questions that led me to believe that he knew a lot more than what I was telling him. So I think that I totally hold them responsible. I hold CPS responsible for putting me in jail, basically. I hold them 100% responsible. So the system failed you and, and, and you were pretty much like um, blackballed is kind of a term I think of. Like before you even got here, the, the odds were stacked against you. So. I'll finish with this last question, um, and that is, so as of right now, what are your future plans in terms of, you know, obviously you want to stay in the U.S. Do you have some ideas of things you'd like to continue doing with your life? Well, hopefully I'll have all my immigration stuff. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I would like to go to college. I want to do psychology. I would like to be a child psychologist um i've always wanted to be a child psychologist just because my heart is for the children i i have like a heart for the children i empathize and sympathize for the children that have been abused so i think that would be a good career path that i would like to go down um but i would also like to open a home for children that's not institutionalized just after children are brought out of abusive households that often put in the system and abused again and I would like to open a home and it probably would have to be a fairly large house I would like to open a home and sort of heal these children before they're adopted or before they're um, put in foster care and we would vet the foster care carers and we would 
better people that would be adopting these children to ensure that they wasn't going to be abused again. And that is one of the things that I would really like to do. That is an amazing vision. It's something that's so needed. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you have been through abuse. I've been through abuse. So many people who listen um, and watch your videos and read my blog and people that we interact with on a daily basis have been through all types of similar circumstances. I think your vision is amazing. It's obviously much needed. And I just, I appreciate you. And again, I just commend you for everything that you're doing. It's outstanding. You are strong and wise beyond your years. And you are an example to so many that you can overcome so much and still wake up every morning wanting to heal and inspire others. So I'm super grateful that you joined me today. I appreciate it so much. Um, why don't we end it with you telling people where they can find you on social media, your uh, YouTube, all that good stuff. Well, my YouTube is just my name, Becky Percy. Becky with an I, not a Y. <laughs> I, always, <laughs> I always make that known. And my, I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Becky with an I underscore P20. And you can find me on either one of those. And I do welcome people to ask questions as long as they're not mean or horrible, like the, some of the things that I've been getting recently. But I do ask people to ask questions because I'm open to answer them. And thank you, Matt, for having me. I do really appreciate it. Is, being it is on absolutely your- my honor. Absolutely my honor. And you are right. Um, I'd love to do it again. Um, obviously, you and I follow each other, so we'll keep in contact. But I would love to explore some more of of this, um, you know, more in depth on, on future podcasts. So, everybody, uh, that is Becky. She is amazing. Check her out on YouTube. Check her out on Twitter. Give her a follow. Thanks again, Becky, for joining me. I appreciate it. It's been amazing. Thank you, Matt. Thanks again for listening to Surviving My Podcast, presented by survivingmypast.net a blog about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD, and in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. This podcast or any resources on or sponsored by survivingmypast.net should not be considered as therapy or professional mental or medical help. Should you find yourself in crisis or in need of professional help, please seek the assistance of a licensed therapist, coach, or other mental health or physical health professional. I would also encourage you to reach out to online resources such as oneand6.org. Be sure and check out other episodes of the show, which you can subscribe to on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Acast. If you would like to be a guest on the show, just contact me anytime, matt at survivingmypast.net. Thanks again, and remember, you rock.